Hello and welcome to the Global Trade Made Easy podcast. In this podcast, we speak to the global trade leaders, innovators and influencers from around the world and Australia. We talk about ideas that can disrupt your organization, industry or even careers. So let's dig in. In today's show, we are going to speak to Dylan Skeens from Austral Fisheries. Austral Fisheries is one of the largest fishing organization in Australia and probably the southern hemisphere. So I would like to welcome Dylan Dylan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Dylan, tell us about Austral Fisheries and, and what does it do as an organization? Our headquarters are based in Perth here in, in Western Australia. And as you said, we're the largest producers of wild-caught uh, seafood in Australia. We have vessels that operate all around the country and we sell lots of our catch on the Australian domestic market, but we also export globally to around 15 countries now, USA, China, and Hong Kong are probably the three biggest markets that we supply. We're famous for our provenance branded seafood, uh, as, as such as Glacier 51 toothfish, the Skull Island tiger prawns, and the Karumba banana prawns from in the north. Uh, and these can be found on some of the best Michelin-style restaurants around the world. What is your role in Austral Fisheries? What do you do? Yeah, I've, I've been with Austral Fisheries for 20, 20 years now, um, and I'm now the, the general manager of sales and marketing. Uh, for the business. I started as a, a deckhand with Austral uh, back in 2002 and um, yeah, now I'm managing a sales portfolio of around $120 million. How does your team look like, you being the general manager of sales and marketing, or how do you operate? We've got, although we're quite a, uh, a big, big footprint on the, uh, the world, world stage of supplying seafood, we've only got a really tiny team right. here in Perth. In, in sales and marketing, we have uh, myself and then four individual sales reps for, for different areas. And then in the export docks, we have two or three people there running running that side for us. We have been in uncertain conditions, um, pandemic and post-pandemic. What has been your experience of last, let's say, 12 to 24 months? Right now, business is fun again. You know, you can actually get out and meet customers and travel, but it's still frustrating. Um, there's a, you know, a lot of business still to be done, but we've got a lot of logistical hurdles uh, short supply, lack of manu- manufacturing of important consumer consumables to keep your business going. People, that's been number one for us, been the, the most important challenge in, in Australia, not just our business, but ensuring we have enough people to keep the business going and, you know, attracting new, new talent for the future. Securing enough consumables like packaging and vessel parts to keep the business going. If your lead time for, say, packaging was two months previously, it's now six months. So you've really got to stay on top of that. Controlling um, inc- you know, the increasing costs at the moment. The price of diesel, for example, you know that's running amok. Um, it's gone through the roof for our vessels. Freight, freight in general has been pretty tough. Um, export and local, we've got we've had many challenges with the lack of containers, limited vessels, truck drivers with COVID, missing pallets. It's, it really is a nightmare part of the business. And for example, right now in uh, Mauritius, we've got around twenty million dollars worth of Glacier Fifty One toothfish sitting on the wharf just because we can't get a vessel to, to call past Port Louis to pick it up. Container ships are omitting the port because they're full or they're required to go to a different part of the world. So, yeah, that's, that's been really tough for us. They're, they're, they're some of the challenges that we've been faced with. How are you managing the situation? Freight and logistics area has been the real bottleneck. So we're offering as much support as we can into that area. Talking to others out there, if your budget allows, perhaps add, add an extra person into that area. 
you know, um, add some extra horsepower there to ensure your business can keep going along. It's, it's been, as I said, it's been a real bottleneck. I know we've got a really small team that's under the pump every day, getting product on ships and trucks and punching out the documentation that's required. We're sort of splitting up our, our team a little bit over time because we, we work globally. We've got a lot of emails coming in, you know, 24-7. So you can't just have your people in for that eight hours a day. We, we sort of split up our team a little bit just to, to stay on top of emails there. The other thing that we're doing is the significant increase in costs. Um, we're making sure that our team are retaining and rechecking quotes on freight and logistics all the time. We're finding major differences between all the different service providers. Definitely have to keep on top of that. The prices are acceptable one week, but next week they're not so palatable. So um, really stay on top of that. Yeah, that, that's really about it. I understand you are now in 15 countries. In this last, uh, let's say, couple of years, did you have to find new markets or how did you go about the revenue side of things? Tried to support the the markets that um, have traditionally supported us over the years, not really go and look for new markets. China was a big, big market for our product. And during COVID, we actually, we lost a lot of supply there, but we did manage to divert a lot of, a lot of our toothfish and prawns into the U.S., so I would sort of just pivot there. But luckily for, for Austral, our, our catch was pretty much split retail and food service. If your business was only supporting food service during COVID, that, that's when it was a bit of a struggle and you had to pivot and try and find some retail sales. So we were lucky that we had had some business in retail already and we just sort of pumped pump the retail a little bit more during COVID until the restaurant scene came back. My assumption at the moment is that because the freight is increasing for everybody, not just not just in Australia, um, would it mean that from competitiveness perspective, would we be similar to other suppliers or, or other countries? Or how do you see that? Yeah, I, th- I think every, every country is having the same, same freight issues. We're, we're capitalizing on the countries where we've got the free trade agreements in place as well. So that's having a, a little bit more positive impact on our, on our sales. But yeah, definitely, I think everyone's having issues with freight, just, just finding containers to put your product in. Looking at the future and, and even at the present, what do you see seafood industry, um, the situation is? And how do you see next few year, couple of years? We'd like to have lots of growth. <laughs> Obviously, that that would be nice. But I think the next twelve months will be just trying to keep things going best we can, uh, controlling costs, getting just getting product to our customers, and getting paid. You know, uh, getting paid's um, a, a major priority. Being in the wild capture sector, we cannot increase our catch to get more growth. We can only deal with what Mother Nature provides us each year. So it's about operating smarter not harder and trying to maximise those returns. But in the last couple of years during COVID, we've seen two types of shoppers. Been the one that's doing it tough, uh, really watching their spending, buying, you know, cheap and affordable seafood where they can. And then there's another type of shopper that's emerging, one that's the one that's really turning into that conscious sustainability shopper, one that seeks out the sustainability claims, um, plastic-free, recyclability, carbon neutral, animal ethics, they're ultimately looking to make a difference with their purchase. Our strategy for growth or the next 12 months, marrying up our um, product offerings to consumers like this and aligning, aligning our sales with retailers and restaurants that value the value of our values. That's our strategy for growth. We've been working hard to eliminate plastic from our range of packaging. 
will make it 100% recyclable. And our carbon neutral seafood also speaks to a growing area of demand whilst looking after the planet. If I'm hearing you right, what your strategy is premium market? Do you want to target the high end of the market, which is looking for sustainable premium products as opposed to going after the cost conscious market segment? Would that be fair? Yeah, that, that's right. And I think um, our products used to be commodity based. And we probably didn't know where they sort of fit and where they ended up. About eight years ago, we made a conscious effort to try and brand all of our seafood with with provenance and a real ocean to plate story. And that's taken us, that's elevated the products onto that sort of the higher end niche markets around the world. We like to think that, you know, we've been uh, told to look after this wild, last wild resource on, on on the planet. So we take sustainability very seriously and we believe that we're leaders in this space in terms of the production of that seafood and also the global distribution of of that product so we basically have two pillars to our sustainability at austral first being looking after the fish stock itself so all of our catch all of our wild catch is independently certified sustainable by the, the marine stewardship council in london that's that's an independent certification which basically certifies that we're looking after the fish stocks and harvesting the product in a sustainable manner. Uh, In terms of Glacier 51 toothfish, as an example, it means that we're only taking less than 10% of the the biomass each year. So we're really only scratching the surface down there every year. But in addition to looking after the the fish stocks and the fisheries resource, um, we are and we're the first seafood company in the world to become uh, certified carbon neutral. So 100% of our carbon emissions are offset by planting 200,000 Australian native trees here in Western Australia each year to offset our emissions. I'm, I'm quite keen to know when you say, what is that story? Yeah, a good example, you know, for a long time, I, I, I used to just sell tiger, tiger prawns as a commodity and you'd, you would offer that to a, to a customer based in Hong Kong and um, he would ask you for the price and I'd say, oh, it's 20 US dollars a kilo and he'd say, I can buy tiger prawns from um, your competitor at $18 US. So naturally, you know, I had to come down to that level to meet the market and sell the product. And we thought, you know what, this product's a fantastic product. It's got a great backstory. It's wild. It's caught in an amazing location. It's got a great ocean to plate story. We should be branding this provenance story in a bid to try and get this on some of the best markets in the world and, you know, get out of that price market, you know, get into that mark, that brand market where they want it because it, it's, you know, it sells well. With the tiger prawns that we catch, we actually catch them off an island, a real island called Skull Island in the in the Gulf of Carpentaria. So uh, we branded all of our tiger prawn catch Skull Island tiger prawns. The effect of that doesn't happen overnight. It takes branding products is a, is a three to five year journey. But now that brand is on some of the best menus around the world and people phone up and ring just to buy the Skull Island tiger prawn. We've elevated ourselves out of that commodity space. When somebody phones us up now and they want to buy a Skull Island Tiger Prawns for, for, for 30 US, we, we can say, well, ours are actually 35. And um, really, we're the, we're the only shop in town that, that, that's got that product. So it really has elevated us out of that commodity space. That's a brilliant story. Okay, well done. I mean, that's uh, this is what uh, I guess you're uh, the exporters around the world and in Australia uh, would like to you know, find out what can they do to have their own stories, right? So it's a fantastic story and I'm, I'm glad that we talked about that. Yeah, um, well, the first one was um, Glacier 51, Toothfish. So that was the first product that we branded 
by provenance and everything we learned off that was then we went wow there's a there's some real ingredients in there to um, brand the rest of our products so yeah glacier 51 was the first product and then obviously skull island came behind that and then Carumba and this year, we're, we're about to launch a couple of new brands as well. I also picked up on some, something in the news. Uh, you are also going hybrid in terms of boats. A lot of our boats quite old, built in the 70s, not a lot of uh, new technology, but we're slowly replacing those now with new vessel builds. The latest of our toothfish vessels, the Cape Arcona, basically a hybrid, so almost like the Prius of a fishing vessel. Um, so it's got a almost like a big Tesla battery bank on board. So, you know, when that vessel's alongside, we can just completely run off battery power and, and save on using diesel fuel. But the future is to try and um, yeah, not use diesel at all. Um, it's, ex- it's a very exciting space, not just for fishing vessels, but all, to- all types of maritime vessels. And the day that we can not use diesel and operate these vessels with um, a diesel replacement, which is environmentally friendly, that, that's going to be a game changer for, for food production. I think it's the first of its kind in the in the Southern Hemisphere, particularly in Australia, but in our northern countries, I think they're, they're well advanced with that. Definitely diesel electric boat vessels is, is quite common now with a new build. Yeah, aborting diesel altogether, that, that's the future, and there's a lot of projects underway at the moment, whether it's fishing or shipping or just general maritime. Um, there's definitely... Um, a move towards that. Uh, How do you make your operations more efficient or what are the kind of improvements that you have done or you're planning to do to to lift the game? Reducing uh, the amount of diesel that we use is definitely, definitely high high on the list, but we work in wild capture fisheries. So, you know, we just can't go and catch another thousand ton to increase our profits and margins. We we get what Mother Nature gives us or what the, uh, the government has come up with and the scientists as a quota. So we're going to get a set amount of fish and prawns each year. So, you know, to increase your margins and profitability on that, you really have to get smarter in the way you sell your product. One, through this, this provenance branding that we spoke about, trying to get more money through that ocean to plate story. And secondly, really just controlling your costs. We, we spoke about that earlier, more so than any other year. You know, with the increases we're getting this year, you've really got to have a team looking at that week to week to make sure that any increase you get in price from your branded products, that you're not losing all that with the extra costs. So what sort of advice would you give to, let's say, uh, new seafood exporters or even existing seafood exporters, your peers, uh, you being one of the leading or probably one of the largest, if not the largest organization in this industry? Post-COVID, there's been a lot of emails coming from different countries and different importers saying that they're the biggest importer of XYZ seafoods. So you've really got to be able to sift through all that to work out who is actually the, the real deal in that particular country. So I would be getting a bit of a dialogue up with, say, a new customer there, having those Zoom links and calls with them but one of the best things we can do now and if you feel comfortable with international travel is 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 get on a plane and get to your your next sort of trade show where you can do that face-to-face interaction again i think we've all had enough of emails whatsapp and linkedin and instagram you know it's time to be time to start being human again and visiting some of these potential clients other areas of uh, suggestions would be yeah, probably just to start small. If, if someone's saying they can take three 40-footers of a particular product, you know, take that with a grain of salt. Maybe start off with a, a small air shipment or a smaller light container. Always ask for at least a 30% deposit with any new business. Don't, don't ship anything off without any sort of deposit. Make sure you've got that covered, particularly with a new customer. But yeah, depending on what sort of product it is, understanding those markets. Like in seafood, we know that you know US and Asia are big, big for us. 
yeah, really focusing on the areas that are, are big on big on your particular product. Excellent. Thank you. That's really good advice. Thinking of the new countries and and then you did mention about the free trade agreements. Australia is about to sign a free trade agreement with India. Uh, I'm not sure what's your view about that market. India are uh, definitely on our radar and the free trade agreement there between the two countries will help. And for me, for the last 20 years, we've exported to countries outside of India, but India is a, a sleeping giant for me. I think um, a massive population, lots of cities, emerging hotel business, high-end hotel business. And with our products, you know, we, we started at the start of the show there. They're very high-end and niche, but we think, you know, there's, there's hotel groups and restaurant chains in India that would definitely benefit from, you know, these ocean-to-plate stories that we've got. Um, we've all we've just started doing some business in I- India this this year. So our first container, sea freight container of Glacier Fifty One Toothfish, will be going to India next month. Actually, that, that tells you that, that that market is is starting to kick off. And once that FTA comes into place, I think we'll we'll see more and more business. I wish you all the best for the next period of time. We will see you when we are in Perth next time. Thanks for being on the show, and it was a fantastic conversation. So thanks a lot. Hopefully, we provided some insights. Yep. Absolutely. I'm sure the exporters uh, in, in the industry and, and others will benefit from this conversation. Thank you very much. Yeah.